You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Hey everyone, I'm Vince Orlando. This is The Human Condition, Episode 10, Self-Love, Self-Esteem. I'm Sean Davis. How you doing, Sean? I'm doing pretty good. How you doing? I'm good. We took a week off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. What, we got, what we got to, and you know, how, that was a vacation, yeah, right? Yeah. And that, that's a little bit of self-love. Yeah, it is. Yeah, that's good. Jersey Shore, can't beat it. No, no, we owe it to ourselves. So uh, self-love, self-love is, we'll get right into it. Self-love, self-compassion. Self-love is the popularized name. Self-love in days past carried a negative connotation. Um, it, it, it was related to egotism, conceit, got a bad rap. That's changed in the advent of modern psychology, spirituality. In fact, it's a tenant. And it's also different from self-esteem. Self-love Self-compassion is the way you treat yourself, not not physically, but the the way you react to yourself, predominantly when you make mistakes. It's it's self-compassion is a way of interacting with yourself without harsh judgment, harsh criticism. That's not to say that you everything's okay, but that you you don't you don't condescend yourself, you don't beat yourself up. So that's self-compassion, self-esteem. Self-esteem is established for us. Self-esteem. Do you put not, self-esteem and self-worth in the same category? It's you know that's 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 something that's debatable, and and really we can get caught in semantics with that. But it, <clears throat> but it is kind of because self-esteem is established for us, right? And the best studies that I've read have you have have your self-esteem established by the time you're three years old. There's some that will go out to seven, but from the third trimester until you're three years old, your personality is formed, which is a byproduct of your self-esteem. And we can call that self-worth. Very similar. But the self-esteem is something if, – if the self-esteem is low, you spend your entire life battling – and it's a byproduct of lack of self-compassion. When your self-esteem is low, it's hard to be compassionate with yourself because you're always judging yourself harshly. Even if you don't recognize that you're doing that, you don't have to say, I'm, I'm an asshole, I'm this, I'm that. It's just something that's ingrained in you. It's toxic shame. It can be toxic shame if, if you're not programmed properly. And traditionally, at least in American culture, we're not. We're, we're – programmed at a very young age to believe that we're less than that our self-worth self-worth is is predicated on our accomplishments right you get the good grade or you're a bad kid or the material material you know, we talked about it we, we talked about it in group today uh how do i how do i define my self-worth you know and uh the biggest one was uh how many women are talking to me? That is huge for men. How much material stuff do I have? For and uh, we kind of broke it up into positives and negatives because it's just we're programmed to really compare ourselves, compare the outer to other people, right? Right. I got to compare myself to my next door neighbor and what he's got. And if he's got more than me, then my self-worth is going to be diminished. I, you know, I'm always going to be in competition and we get into all this. I mean, the group that I sit in on the morning that work is we're, we're all in recovery. And I, I even talked about that, uh, you know, when I got into recovery, uh, 2001, 2002, there was a cat that had a lot of years, like 24 years, and he said, you know, I suffered from no good dirtbag piece of shitism for a mm. long time. And then when I got into recovery, I still suffered from it yeah. because I didn't know how to value myself. Well, and that, I, That's you know, an interesting point, too. Like, I didn't, I still carried that with me for a long time, and it is huge because... It goes into just how 
we are. And so if I'm trying to find self-worth, you know, it's, it's difficult if you've experienced trauma, abuse, uh, all forms, I'm going to, you know, it's going to be shifted mm-hmm. and, and it's going to be on the lesser end. So if my self-worth is, and my self-esteem is completely fucked. Uh, well, you can't love yourself then. You can't how do it. I you do some extend. self-love, you right? It's, it's not possible. And, and it's weird because like you'll buy stuff, you know. And then um, you, you get the dopamine going in yeah, that moment. Exactly. And, yeah. Same with any other compulsion. But it only lasts for a right. little while. And, you know, it was an interesting conversation this morning about, like, well, that Corvette will make me feel good and I'll get a lot of compliments. But and feel after good a while, in those moments. Right. Yeah. After a while, that wears off. And now I've got a Corvette that, sure, it's fun to drive, but. Doesn't make you happy. You know, uh, 83 Buick LeSabre, I thought, was the funnest car to drive. It's still one of my top five, you yeah. know. And, you know, a car only costs like $2,500. Yeah, so your self-esteem, if it's low, you can't extend self-love to yourself. Self-compassion allows for mistakes. And societal... Conditioning does not allow for mistakes. There's, there's, there's a drive towards. <clears throat> I don't want to say excess, even though that's where it winds up. But, but there, it, it, it comes down to something as simple as grades. You can ma- you can diminish a child's self esteem by ragging on them for getting an F, and dealing. So it's the same thing when you deal with a kid. You can deal with a kid compassionately and say, "Man, that sucks. How can I help you? How can I be there for you?" What do we need to do to get you to the to the A level? Or let's get you a B or a C. That's compassionate. Or you can say, you're grounded. You're grounded. Get in your room. You're not leaving till next. You know what I mean? So, so you can make yeah. them feel really bad about themselves. Or you can say, hey, we're human. So let's work through this. Now, that's what compassion is. And self-love is self-compassion. It's, it's not... It's not the act of taking yourself out, even though that that matters. Going like you just went on a vacation, you need that. You you, you deserve that. You you should you should get that kind of time with yourself. But that's not all it comprises of. It comprises of if I make a mistake, I have to be okay with the fact that I made a mistake because I recognize the human in me as I do the human in everyone else. And you you can really you can tell a lot by a, a person in the way they interact with their children because if they're real harsh on their kids, well, you know their self worth is broken, right? You you know it because or, you couldn't act that or way. Or like otherwise. you know, it, it, man, the world is a weird place for me right now. Um, so I do an adolescent group, same place I work at, and um, so these kids are all. Um, probation kind of it's weird uh for true let's say truancy yeah you told me about that That's all right insane. they get caught on doing this truancy stuff they get put on probation they actually have to go to like district court and all this other yes. shit all right so now you are going to this group to and the thing the number one thing is like they all drop dirty you know for their for you know their court thing, so now it's like, oh, all right, you got marijuana in your system, and you have truancy, and you know, and you're bad. No, yeah, right. We're gonna put you in this group. So, like, there's certain judges that will lock you up for having bad grades. A kid, a kid, nine months. Yeah, and that's the solution. That makes that makes absolute sense. So, so they really get locked up. You locked up like jail. You go yeah. to really, yeah. For grades. For grades. And truancy. See, that things have changed. Things have definitely truant, changed, you know. You know? And, the, and the thing is, like, so in this, in this, in this group, I'm, like, the biggest advocate. I, 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 I honestly, the kids love me because I, I just advocate for them because I can't do anything else. I teach them, like, this is what you want to do to get out of the situation that you're in. And they don't actually have the skills – some of them do understand what self-love is, but then you're going to get 
your lines crossed if like you go lock them up for grades where's the compassion There's piece none. in that with technology and attention spans being shorter and shorter it's just like a mix of like just a lot of confusion and stuff especially like in low income neighborhoods and stuff like parents are working two three jobs to make sure that there's food on the table and the rent's paid you know there's not there's going to be a lack of supervision and stuff like that and then so now you're going to you're going to separate this child from its family because it's got it, it, it's it's having a hard time learning and then you expect it to what understand what self love is self worth self esteem you just fucked that yeah and it t- and it takes a real strong individual to be able to bypass that so it's very unique yeah just like it, it it's like you know i know it's like not the 90s anymore but like the 90s it just kind of seemed like you know what i got oh i got caught smoking a little weed underneath the bleachers you know hanging out with you know susan and you know maybe we're doing a little something i get a little in-school suspension or whatever or a little slap some de- just regular detention whatever and you know they're gonna talk to me about the dangers of marijuana and drinking and like that shit and that's pretty much it that was like our punishment yeah. like that that behavior now you're on probation for a year you drop twice a week it just it's just crazy it's just crazy and then you know you're trying to teach the kids you know substance abuse disorder and all this stuff and a lot of it just it it creates more uh, stress and when I'm stressed out I know how to implement self-love things now i'll go over you know i'll go to motor city float and float for an hour i look at that as a way of self-love i'll go to the gym i'll treat myself to a real nice dinner i'll do things for myself and i know what to do now i didn't always know what to do i mean this is all i didn't really know what self-love was probably until like uh, 31, 32, 33. You got it. Got there before I did. Sure. And, and, and it was all, you know, people in recovery that taught me this stuff. See, I thought I loved myself, but it was all ego-based. So what can I acquire? And I, I did a pretty good job at stacking things around me. How many women can I get? Uh, how much money can I blow? And, I mean, just the validation. All these, yeah. All you these know, the validation piece. Things. So I, it was, it was hard to tell me. Because I remember the first time um, I, I spoke with a counselor. This is when the patterns had gotten to be so out of control that I was like, you know what? I need to talk to somebody. I think I was forced into this, actually. And they said, mention self-esteem. You have low self-esteem. Fuck you, I do. I don't have low self-esteem. Self-esteem, look at this. Look at this. Look at this. I got this. I did this. I did. I, and I couldn't, I couldn't understand what, what they were talking about. Lo and behold, they were right. You know, I, I, from a very young age, I was taught not to love myself. So I, there were two components in my life. So, you know, at a young age, I developed what psychologists call disorganized attachment. My, my parental units were both the source of my trauma, but also the source of my livelihood. So it causes this confusion in you. And this is part of where PTSD comes from. It doesn't always develop from that, but I I think the number is really high. I can't remember the percentage, but most PTSD, um, people diagnosed with severe PTSD, they suffer from early onset disorganized attachment. So I remember I would have my dad, who who says this to a kid? You're a piece of shit. You're always going to be a piece of shit just like me. So this guy didn't love himself right now. I can sympathize with that, but that's what's getting drug into your head at a very young age. And then my mom, because she would kick the shit out of her, would pull me to the side and say, hey, you can be whatever you want to be. So luckily I had, you know, I, I, I can't fathom the environment where it's just hopeless, you know, where my mom isn't pulling me to the side and contradicting what he's saying. I, I believed both, unfortunately. So I didn't really know. There's no way I could have known what self-love was because subconsciously I hated myself. 
not consciously. Consciously, I was doing what my mom told me. Subconsciously, I hated myself because I was a lot like my dad subconsciously. Do you find it difficult to feel love? Not anymore. But yeah, there, there was a, I didn't know what that was until really my son. I had an idea. And so I could read a book and intellectualize. No kids. Like you can't use the kids like a friend, a long, like a friend you've known for five or six years. When they say that, man, I love you. And they, can you feel it? Or is it difficult? Well, there's still – so there's – like anything that's programmed and deep, Yeah, there's still the gut reaction like, oh, it's off-putting <laughs> at first. And then I'm able to process through that shit. But it is. It's I know. I know, know. I know. And I'm getting more used to it now being able to say it because – It is hard. It, we, we talked about it today, man. Like I was like, you know what? I still have a hard time processing people that love me. You could put me in a room with – my closest friends. So and, you mean difficult to receive love? Uh, right? Yeah, yeah. I can give it. I can give it, yeah. no problem. Yeah. But like, I, I, I love the way that I want to be loved. But the in that, I still, it's hard to get in. And that's that fragmented self, man. It's it's what we're. It's the thing. It's the cycle we're trying to break. I can feel God's love, no problem. No problem feeling that whatsoever. Other human beings, it's it's like a fucking labyrinth, man, trying to get in here. Well, that's because the illusion of separateness. We we had that illusion of separateness. So with God, or you know, whatever you want to call that yeah, source, right. whatever that is to you, when you go into deep meditation and you feel that, or you know, in peak experiences where you travel and you're standing on the top of a mountain, it's just, so you get these 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 moments. I mean, that, we were just talking about this in a refuge the other day. You it, life is a series of these peak experience moments, hopefully, stringed together by subconscious faulty subconscious programming, and you know we're we're constantly trying to transcend that faulty programming, but. When it comes to human beings, because because we are dualistic, so we're brought into this human experience. We're souls having this human experience. Just being in this body and confined to the five senses, it validates that sense of separateness. So when somebody comes at you, and, and again, the way you react to them, the, the way you react to them is only how you react to yourself. So if they're saying, I love you, and, and your first reaction is, that's fucking weird. That's how we're reacting to us. So like at Unity, Unity is great for this. They'll say, turn to your neighbor and say, yeah, yeah. I love you and I appreciate you. Like the first time I did that, I was like, ooh, yeah, oh, like this is uh, uh, I'm out of my comfort zone. Yeah. But they just push that. They, like, they're, they're real big on it and that those are things that will create. Mm-hmm. Breaking down the labyrinth, and that's what it is too. It, it's and it's those baby steps. <clears throat> that's really not a big deal now. Not now. I remember no. when they when two thousand two. I'm like, everyone's oh like, shit! Yeah, everyone's looking, you, you know, know. I'm trying to look straight, not make eye contact, so I don't have to say. You know what I mean? <laughs> Ninety days sober, and you're asking me to do that. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> mm. And you know, you're looking at them. You know, and I really learned a lot, you know, that that probably unity broke down. Like, I'd probably still be, you know, way, way behind on that stuff if it wasn't for unity. They really taught me a lot. The tenants there, man, they're, they're, they, it is a, a beautiful way to live. Yeah. Without judgment. It, the hardest the hardest thing to do is break down that judgment towards yourself. I st- I struggle with it still, and but at least now I can I, I've transcended enough to where I can see that the way that I speak to you or I speak to my children or I speak to anybody else is a reflection of how I feel about myself. So I'm always going back inside now. It doesn't mean I don't make missteps because I do all the time, but I'm able to bring it back to me and see okay what's off inside me. And it's easy to say, well, that person's an asshole. I try not to do that anymore. I try to say, why was my reaction? Because there's a difference between 
in the, in the moment responding to something in a way that okay I got to walk out of this situation or carrying it with you why did I carry that with me well because something that happened in this interaction affected me at a visceral level so I need to figure out what that is and it's it's the same I always had trouble taking compliments couldn't do it couldn't do it shy yeah. away from them I didn't yeah. I, I wanted no compliment don't say you love me but I'll love the shit out of you in, in the only way that I knew how it's different now, but I, I still get the gut response. Like we oh. we was talking this morning, like because some of the dudes was like, "Man, I can't take a fucking compliment," and I was like, "What I started out doing because I had the same problem was I'd say thank you, I'd say thank you, and then I'd even have like a little conversation, like, "Man, I really appreciate that because mm-hmm. I have a tough time taking compliments," and by doing that, I've gotten better. Does it still make me uncomfortable? I can receive compliments with people I know. Strangers giving me compliments still, still throw me for a loop. You, uh, that's a little curveball up on there, and I was like, ooh, ooh, thank you. And it's just the way it is. It's, that's, I think, a little self-esteem, self-confidence, self-worth. You know, it's still figuring itself out. When you know what's funny is we work hard for those compliments, and then when they come, we're like, oh, shit. Yeah. Let me get out of here. I didn't know you were really going to do it because deep down, I know for me, I can only speak from my experience, but I didn't feel worthy. When you're yes. not worthy to your father, yeah. you know, and again, it's all subconscious. That's nothing that I was carrying around. I, there, you wouldn't catch. I was so egotistical as a child. It was all the defense mechanism. It was all overcompensation. So egotistical. So you would never, I, I would always talk about how great I was, and I didn't believe none of it deep down. You know what I mean? That was a, deep down, I believed what I was told. You're a piece of shit. You're never going to be anything. And I've struggled my entire life to, to buy And that so stuff. now can you accept a compliment without it affecting your ego? That was another one. That was, that was what we talked about this morning, too. Yes. Yeah, well, and I can because the things that I, I I'm, I'm done with soulless pursuits, things that don't that don't have the benefit of possibly transcending me to a new frequency, I'm not I'm not interested in. When it comes to money, I, I turn down shit all the time that, that could, you know, might be able to make me a millionaire. Um, instant millionaire, take me to the next level of whatever. I, I have zero interest. I would rather... Ah, the next level. Yeah, and I, I'm... <laughs> so I, I want that next level of frequency. I have no interest in soulless pursuits at all. So... When people speak of, it's still awkward when the, they talk about things that I write, and uh, and when people comment, and and uh, it's hard to take them when they're in the inbox. And now I'm like, oh shit, I'm in a conversation. Now I have to engage in this conversation. But at the end, it always feels good. Before I would duck the conversation. I would I would make some kind of self deprecating remark about myself. Yeah. Make it a joke, yeah. and then I would exit yeah. the conversation. Do some sort of passive, whatever to like. Get out of whatever the the feeling was. Well, in the translation, there is it, it, it is self esteem. We can't even let other people love us because deep down we don't love ourselves. Now, in what we've gone through in our our separate journeys and what we've transcended, we've learned that love of self is necessary, and not in love of self as it pertains to conceit, but self-compassion. We know that. We know that to be true. Because we know that to be true doesn't mean that it's true automatically. Like, there's still the, the stuff. You know, I, oh, in Refuge the other day, I was talking about, I've been a real asshole to my ego. So if if we truly believe that we're all one, that everything's connected, well, how could the ego not be connected? We're all, it, it's it's all a part of our our makeup you know our story is a part of our makeup it's not who we are spiritually but it's part of it so so i find myself wanting to separate my ego out from who i am and pointing the finger and saying oh my ego did oh my ego wants to do this and is it ego in the same way i have ptsd it's just a, a label that helps me to understand things a little bit better but it's me so so when I've alleviated my conscious thought process and gone into my, my, my abyss. That's when the ego comes out to play. It has full reign and I'll point the finger and I'll, I'll be pissed at the way the ego acts out. 
all the ego has ever tried to do for any of us is protect us. That ego was formed from infancy on, and all it's ever really tried to do is protect us like a parent that doesn't know what the fuck they're doing, but they're trying hard. Your ego needs self-love. So I haven't been giving it to it. I've been treating it like – so the same abuse that the ego took, abandoned, abused, all this shit that that created the ego in the first place and put all of these defense mechanisms in place, all of that, I'm doing the same shit. Because, oh, my life's good now. My life's good. I've, I've transcended this, so I don't need you, so fuck you, ego. And it's not cool. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm abusing that kid part of me in the same way that that kid part was abused when I was a kid. And I realize that, and I'm like, I'm treating this as a separate entity, and it's not. It's, it's a part of me, and I, I have to learn to embrace it. And Remember, there's two sides of the ego. There's the angel and the devil. Right, because that's what it is. The, the the angel and the devil will still bicker. Right, and they don't they don't need it. The higher self doesn't need to. It's like, what the fuck are you doing down there? You know what I mean? Like it, that's that's stupid. You're not separate. You're the same. Right. Now this part wants to act differently than the other part, but it's funny how they'll still be at odds, and and I'll catch myself. So I, I that was a really profound revelation for me, and that I got to quit being such an asshole to that part of myself that really just wanted the best for me. And why would that part of me not act out when I'm caught off guard if I've if I've drank too much and now all of a sudden my because you know in PTSD your your uh, the space that you have from stimulus to res, to reaction it's really reactive but stimulus to response is this big so I take anything anything to alter my consciousness I'm susceptible to a flashback you know mm-hmm. so why would it not act out at the given opportunity. I would, you know what I mean? Even as an adult who knows better, if somebody, not so much now, but maybe five years ago, you treat me wrong, I'm going to look for ways to get you back. I'm going to look for ways to boost my, my, my self-worth artificially for the time being just so I can feel like I haven't been ground into the dirt. I've been doing it wrong, you know what I mean? I've been, and, and, and that was a strong revelation. That's self-compassion, being compassionate with the parts of yourself that didn't that acted in a certain way before it knew better. You know, that's that's a very important part, and I think people need to. Re- we get so damn down on ourselves, and society wants us there. I'm not I'm not a conspiracy theorist by any stretch of the imagination, but I there are ways that governments control people, yeah. right? Control the masses. Well, and if you keep them fear-based, if I keep them fear-based and systematic thinking that. You know, keep them always grinding, right? And always. don't and don't get them thinking. No, you know, oh, they're thinking a little bit too much. Put some fentanyl on the street and do some stuff. Change it up, you well, know. Think about the original sin bullshit. Like, how do you get past that? You're you're born less than. Your only way to and I'm not bashing Catholicism, but come on, like. Wow. The original sin, you're born a sinner, you're born less than. The only way to any type of transcendence is by worshiping. Uh, I don't know. I'm not familiar with that original sin stuff. You're born a sinner? You know, like. In the context that they use it, sinner. My parents weren't very spiritual. They were just kind of like, you can figure it out on your own. We just kind of. That's good, though. You know, just kind of figure it out on your own. And that was it. Yeah. You know. I think that's good. Kids are smarter than we want to give them credit for. It was a lot of fun figuring it out. And then I think at some point I took on other people's perceptions of God or the creator that no longer really worked for me. And, you know, I think when you go through puberty and stuff and... You have a change of emotions. I was just like, I don't know. My my God didn't really. I, I couldn't. I was just so broken. I was just so broken. And I just started drinking and smoking weed to drown out the emotions. I just couldn't figure it out on my own like normal people. And it was funny because we were talking today. I truly believe that there are some people that don't suffer from alcoholism or addiction that have a better grasp of self-love and 
uh, self-esteem and uh, self-worth. And I gravitate to them because I ask them, you know, I, I like, you know, uh, my spiritual chiropractor and uh, the lady that does deep tissue massage who also does cranial sacral for me, like, they know what self-love is and self-worth. And even my, my previous Reiki healer was always real big on teaching me about self-love and being compassionate with myself and experiencing more joy. You know, she was like, you don't really, like, you grind. Mm -hmm. You grind a lot. You need to go have more joy, laugh more, have more fun. But my mind was always like, well, I got to do this and I got to do that in the material world. And my, my, the, the laws of prosperity and abundance were not prevalent or even existent. Sometimes I go into this mindset where I just got to grind out and make this money and do this and do that and self-love and, you know, I could need a new pair of shoes and I'll wait till they're like ground into like holes in them before I go get a new pair. And then it's like, oh, well, what do I get? And my relationship with the material world is very, very convoluted and just doesn't it's insane it's insane because i don't like the material world i don't like how it operates i don't like how people go after greed and uh status seeking stuff so i can't stand the material world but yet i know i have to operate in it at some extent and so it drives me a little nuts so what about the material world do you find reflective in yourself that would cause you to hate it? That's, that's something that I've had, to, I've had to contemplate because I know it's a reflection of me, my perception of it and how I relate to it that has everything to do with me. So – and that, that was a, another strong revelation. It's like, all right, so I – yeah, I don't like those things either. But I'm here. Yeah, I mean, I got to deal with it. I got to deal with it. I was always like, I don't know. I just always thought Native Americans had the right idea, like, bartering. And I've got some, you know, leather moccasins, and I'll trade you for, you know, 20 arrows and some of this. And, you know, it just seemed more simple rather than the wanting and the material world is I've got more than you, which means I've got more power than you. Which means you're less than. Right. And so when people start thinking that they have more power than me because maybe they have a couple more zeros in their checking account, then my ego is like, why don't you come see how much power I got? Yeah. You know, I can show you a few things about power. And that type of thinking, you know, gets me into trouble because, okay. uh, you know, then I get in a little like on that dark side and and I don't really like being there either because when I once I'm on the dark side, self-worth, self-esteem, it's all, it's, self-love out the window. Yeah, it's, it's gone. It doesn't even exist. You know, can't. No. There, there's no coexistence there. No. It, and, and that's the thing. So self-esteem can be dangerous because self-esteem can be propped up through these artificial things that we speak of, through superficial – by superficial means, you can boost your self-esteem. So it can be dangerous in the way you attain it. The the only positive way to attain self-esteem is – well, there's a couple. You can be in in service, which is going to boost your self-worth, self-esteem. Um, so if you're in, ser- in service of others, and that makes you – that's a currency. That's a currency that, that nobody can steal from you, right? So that's why service is such a huge thing. And every spiritual, every, every 12-step program – Teaching the tools that you have picked up on. Being, being in service. I can't think of anything that makes me feel better than when I've helped somebody out. Yeah. Well, it's, it changes your frequency when you do that. It, it, it changes does. your vibration. 
And then the other thing is compassion. You know, be, be just being com, com, Greg Braden. I, I went to uh, the Conference for Consciousness and Human Evolution out in London uh, back in October, and Greg was one of the keynote speakers there. And and uh, I remember Greg talking about he, he had visited this monastery, monastery and uh, it was in Tibet. It took 16 days to get to it. Very secluded. They're, they don't allow a lot of outsiders they're not violent but outsiders just don't come and, yeah. and they're real so he got to meet with one of the abbots and he sat with uh sat with the abbot and he says he asked him what what is the binding force of the universe and the abbot laughed a little bit and came back with compassion in his own language translated greg left confused and he got another experience at another monast- monastery in uh tibet again wasn't a 16-day hike. But anyway, uh, spoke to another abbot. Said, hey, I talked to, talked to an abbot over at, I can't remember the name of the place. Um, can you tell me what the binding force of the universe is? Because, you know, this guy told me compassion. And, uh, and the guy looked at him, laughed a little bit, and said, it's compassion. And then Greg finally, he asked the question that had been plaguing him. Well, I thought compassion was an act, something that you did. And the monk said, it's both. And then the light went off. So if you think about compassion as the binding force of the universe rather than an act that we give to ourselves or to, to an animal or to a, another human being, if you think about it as the thing that binds everything, it starts to take on a whole new life because if you think of it, there, with, without the human consciousness, the way that all – and I'm going to go back to quantum physics, but – the way subatomic particles act is in complete harmony with one another. Even a, a, a supernova, which we would view as cataclysmic, spawns life from that. So everything, everything besides human beings, I mean, even the, even even. Do you act, believe that the compassionate compassion. energy flow is broken? No, no. I I, I think we're the break. I, I, you know, I can feel. When I have tension building up in my gut, I get it really, and I, I start to get tight, and I'm getting better at catching that, breathing through it, releasing it, but I feel it. So the human beings are that muscle to the universe. Human beings, because we have, and, and, and it is an ability, it's an, a beautiful, evolved trait, and it's different than any other animal. We can contemplate our own existence, but we can also contemplate ourselves out of living. Right, we, we we contemplate it because we we judge ourselves, and so no, I don't think the force is broken. I, I think it's going to go on long beyond humans, but I do think that we block it, and I, I think that the evolution of human beings and and our ability to contemplate these things and where we've we've got now, you know, I, we can look back at old traditions and say, wow, they had it, they really had it down, right? And then technology has kind of spun us into this more uh, egocentric existence. But I think technology has also bound us in a way that we've never been bound before. And now me, for example, a kid from Hazel Park, east side of Detroit, well, I can speak in the way that I speak because I've had access to information when I wanted to look. Now, me in my old neighborhood, I couldn't have looked for it because nobody had those books. I couldn't push a button back when I was a kid and get access to that kind of thing. Can it be used in a negative way? Absolutely. There's yin and yang to all all aspects of humanity. But that's a long answer to a short question. I believe compassion <laughs> is the binding force. I think that that's God. That's that's source. That's gonna that's it's infinity. I don't think there's a beginning and an end to that. It's gonna and eventually somebody's gonna get it right. You know what I mean? Christ got it right. Gandhi got it right. Martin Luther King got it right. We view their demise as tragic, but the impact that they left in the universe—well, that's 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 transcendent. That's that's uh, that's what it's all about. So, in America, how do you increase the compassion? Gandhi said it best: "Be the change." Right. That's, that's all you can do is be a light. You can't try to change people, but you can change yourself. And when people see that. When people see somebody who's embodying, you talk about the, you know, your your uh, chiropractor. And yeah, yeah. When you see people that, when I met Deepak, he's yeah, really that yeah. peaceful. You know, yeah. that, that guy's really, 
and it, you get around that energy and you're like, okay, well. He's a jokester. And he is. He's but he's, a, hey, you know, yeah. it, that's joy. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's, but you feel it. You feel the energy of, of some of these people that, I mean, I, I always wonder what it would have been like to be around Christ, right? To just, to just be there and, and feel that energy. Or I wonder what I have been like, who's that weirdo? You know, because he was a revolutionary. Right. And, and what well, I, do we look at him as a weirdo? Right. Where, where, where would I have guy? fallen? Where would I have fallen? Yeah. Now, I can say when I was 25, I would have been like, man, in Christ. You know what I mean? That's, that's where I would have been. But now, I, I, I would have done anything I could do to be in that space. Strange. It is. Talk about self-love. Yeah. You know, and compassion. And that Wayne Dyer did a study of, I think it was the 60 Greatest Teachers. It's a book called Wisdom of the Ages. And in that book, he found three traits among the greatest, what he considered the greatest thinkers, Christ being one of them. He said these three, three people, they had three things in common, all of them without question. They weren't power-driven. They weren't attached to outcome. And they were completely unattached to the good opinion of others. It's funny you say that because we talked about power uh, this morning, and uh, I said I don't want nothing. Uh, power, power is very tricky with me, and, and I don't like having any of it. You know, uh, when I accumulate power, or my ego, or people start saying things and like man that was great and Mm -hmm. all of a sudden my ego gets big and i start the power comes to me uh god usually checks me real hard that's egoic power and and i was and i was saying like there's been a few times where uh my my power has you know i i never want it i just like to maneuver around the planet without it and there was times when I was younger where I was very power-driven and God checked me so hard because I want to be the controller. I want the power. I want to control. I want what I want. I, you know, selfish, self-centered. And just boom, like God just check you like, oh, God, did that hurt, you know, and just level you down. And I've been leveled a few times. Uh, by God, and I realized that power isn't really all that it's cracked up to be. It depends. You know, egoic power? No, it's not. So if I look at Donald Trump, for example, and the Dalai Lama, which one has more power? There's going to be a lot of people that point to Donald Trump and his billions and his presidency and say that. I say no. Absolutely not. I'm going to the one that causes the least harm. Right. 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 So it's all perception. Viktor Frankl, what he did, being in a concentration camp and coming out and creating logo, that's power. That's true power. I remember I wrote a line in a movie. It was a horror movie, uh, cut print. And I, 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 uh, the killer was saying, and this was a very sadistic way that you know the way that he's putting it out. But he said, you know what power is, and you know my character's like, well, power's overpowering another person, making them um, whatever the line was. And then he says, no, true power is giving the other per- person the perception that they have it. So oh. true. So true power. You look at a guy like Martin Luther King who stands in love and mobilizes and completely changes the face of the planet so is that power or was he just utilizing his life's purpose and the gifts that god gave him that's what power is that's that compact that's compact so if you if you play and now he wasn't power driven he didn't he wasn't looking for accolades or anything like that and you could tell and he the speech he gave the day before he died talking about how he was gonna die i mean it gives every time i see it it gives me chills yeah that is true power because if the binding force of the universe is compassion, well, how much more compassionate can you get than to be willing to give your life to this purpose greater than yourself? That's power. Was he driven towards that as power? No. You know what I mean? That's that's just he embodied what power is. 
So our perception is skewed as human beings. When we're confined to the five senses, it becomes an egoic pursuit, and then it, it's no good. It's the power you talk about when God says, nah, come here, stupid. You know, Let me go ahead and give you a slap. I ain't going to kill you, but you're going to have to shift this in yourself. Yeah. I mean, I, it doesn't happen to everybody because we go back to the example of Trump, and some people just live there till they die. Yeah. And then it's just... You're going to live it over until you get it right. And we can't prove it, but I believe it. I believe that you know the energy is neither created nor destroyed, and until that energy gets to a point where it—that's the thing too. I always wonder: does it ever rest? What what happens with somebody like Christ or Martin Luther King when they when they transcend this when they make their transition into the, that other realm? You know, John Lennon once said, "He looks at death." As just getting out of one car and getting yeah, yeah, into yeah. another. I love that. Love that. Yeah. It's you know? I, I believe it's true. I just really, I, I was like, I like that a lot. And if you believe that, then you don't need to cling to these worldly things. And you definitely don't need to cling to your broken self-esteem. The self-esteem that you didn't create for yourself, that you've been perpetuating as an adult because you didn't know better. You don't need to cling to those old ideas. We have to uncover those ideas. That's where things like addiction, compulsion, tragedy, because for the most part, human beings don't change by choice. Something has to happen to rattle you for the most part. Something. For me, it was a good trauma. It was my kids. And that when my son was born, it shook me to my core, this unconditional love that I'd never felt. But it's, uh, that's where those things become beautiful because if you can learn the lessons that they're trying to teach you, you can get to that place. And me, like I said, I'm not interested in soulless pursuits. I want to embody that. I know these things. I can get to them most of the time. It's still not second nature. My ego still runs the show on a lot of occasions because it's my go-to mechanism. So for me, I would like to embody, even for a day before I pass, embody the space that, that somebody like Jesus Christ or Gandhi or or Mother Teresa, that they embody that space and know what that feels like to to just be a light, to have a purpose larger than yourself, to not be bound to what the the world around you tells you you should be bound to. I think that self-compassion. When you realize that you are connected to every living thing and you can walk around with that mentality without having to get into that mentality that's what it's probably close to that's the space that's the space where we talk about flow right feeling yeah, the flow. flow compassion flows it flows from the beginning of time to the end of time we can look at the world now and say oh it's so bad every generation talks about how bad it is but the truth is the population continues to grow because no matter how bad it is you go back to a neighborhood – I grew up in this neighborhood where the parents don't have hope and they still change diapers and those kids still grow up to be adults. So there's compassion in there somewhere. There's an innate compassion. Even you're hopeless, right? You don't see any way out and you extend that to your kids without knowing it. It's a lot easier to throw that kid away. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. It's a, it's a, it would be a hell of a lot easier, but there's something ingrained in us that that makes us do the opposite. And even though our, our – I love what Marianne Williamson talks about in their book, Return to Love. Every act is a cry for love in some form or fashion. Even the terrorist that's over there chopping people's heads off. If you look at the, the way that these kids were raised and the hate and – well, th that act right there is – I'm not justifying it in any way, shape, or form, but it's a, it's a cry for love. It's a, it's a twisted, twisted, twisted cry for love. But at the end of the day, you want somebody to pat you on your back. Right. You want to feel connected. Same with serial killer. I mean this is where my mind goes when I start thinking, can I truly love everything and everybody on this panel like, like Christ would? Christ didn't hang with the politicians. He was <clears> or would the, you just look at that as that they're connected to – as you have compassion for them, you just understand that they're connected to more of the darkness. And as so you're going to have dark and light, you know, you're going to have that duality. Mm -hmm. But even in the duality, I'm still compassionate towards the darkness. You have to be. 
It's a right. it's a prerequisite. So then for you our understand you understand that it's still in the flow. It, the darkness is still going to be. You just can't have light. No, it allows you to sympathize and empathize. It, when you get to that level of consciousness, you can really start to say, "Oh man!" Rather than "Fuck you," you're a piece of shit. You're this. You're that. You're uh, this is bad. This is good. I mean, even with you know, I, I don't know why Trump keeps coming up in this. Probably because he's so talked about. But it's so easy to point a finger over there and say, "This is bad. This is good." You know what I mean? It's so easy to do that. But what really needs to be done is like, wow, that, that if you've ever read anything about just him in particular, not picking on the guy, but the way that he was raised and like he's a child, you know, he's a grown toddler that never really had love. Ex- <laughs> Honestly, I mean, if you this is a, he's a great study for just basic psychology, like. The, you know the the narcissism, <laughs> and it, you look at it, and you can you can engage in in the the hate banter, right? It, and stand behind the guise of virtuosity, which a lot of people do. That's the problem with the radical left is they stand behind the guise of virtuosity. They find good causes, good human uh, human driven causes, humanity driven causes. Then they stand behind the guise of that, and they spew hate. That doesn't. That all you're doing is fueling the fire. It's at a certain point, humanity's got to take a step back and say, "I understand. I, 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 I don't agree with you, but okay, I'm, I'm going to pray for you, you know, in the best way that I can." The fire is out of control. It is. You know, for sure. I mean, I say some people like to fuel the fire. That's their thing. It's just dopamine. Um, you know, know it's just. You feel connected when that dopamine gets when, triggered. When, when the POTUS is, uh, you know, loves to fuel the fire. Now we're all fueling fire or trying to put it out. It got everyone going. And the only the only way to extinguish it is to be the light. If yeah. you engage in the the rhetoric, the back and forth, you're done. You're done. All you've done is fuel it. Now the fire's bigger, and that's that's what is happening. Is that the fire continues to grow larger and larger? So. I'll, all you can do is be the light. Stand fast in your truth. Can't do that without you, you got to be compassionate towards yourself first because if you're not, you can't truly unconditionally love everything around you until you get to that place within yourself. It's impossible. It's impossible. Um, we got the sign two minutes. You got anything to say in closing? This was a real good episode, man. Yeah, we went in on some yeah. self-love. Yeah. Dug into a lot of different stuff. I just uh, just want to enjoy the journey. It's all about enjoying the journey. It is. It is. And uh, um, we got the finger. And that's me. We got the finger. So uh, keep the comments coming. Love yourself. Easier said than done. I'm still trying every day. But keep the comments coming. The ideas for, for different subjects. And, and we'll keep talking about them. We're going to get some guests in here. I'm going to get some guests in here in the real near future. We'll, we'll keep everybody posted. It's a human condition. Thank you. Thank you.